Welcome to Best Picture This, where it is always Oscar season. I'm Mike. And I'm Brian. In this show, we dissect every Best Picture nominee from the 21st century to learn what they can teach us about the movies and decide whether we would keep it or kick it from its Oscar pedestal. In 1999, the nominees were The Insider, American Beauty, The Green Mile, The Sixth Sense, and this week's movie, The Cider House Rules, directed by Lassie Holstrom. In other parts of the world, young men leave home and travel far and wide in search of a promising future. The only reason people journey here is for the orphanage. They wanted a girl, girl. Nobody ever wants me. I came as a physician to the abandoned children and unhappily pregnant women. Good night, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England. So I became the caretaker of many, father of none. Well, in a way, there was one. His name was Homer Wells. And it was always clear to me that he was a special boy. You are a skilled and gifted surgeon. I'm not a doctor. I haven't been to medical school. I haven't even been to high school. Doubtless you will let me know when you're going to find a more gratifying life. I was wondering if you could give me a ride. I'm enjoying my life here. I'm enjoying being a lobsterman and an orchardman. In fact, I believe I'm being of some use. I'm shipping out today. It gives me some peace of mind knowing you're here, keeping an eye on things. What are you doing with that candy, Homer? <laughs> She's the nicest and most beautiful girl I've ever known. Sound like you're in trouble already, Homer. Mm-hmm. I think we may have lost him to the world. Miramax Films presents Tobey Maguire, Charlize Theron, and Michael Caine. I can help. In a new film by director Lassa Hallstrom, a story about how far we must travel. Whether I shall turn out to be the hero of my own life, I do not know. To find the place where we belong. The Cider House Rules. It sure does. (laughs) Coming up in this show, we will give out our Farley Awards for Best Directing, Writing, and Acting Moments. We will offer our golden takes on this movie, and then we will finish up with trivia. But first, Mike, would you keep or kick this movie from the year's top five? I've got to kick it. I don't I don't hate this movie. I like the cinematography. I like Toby and how he's sort of innocent and dopey, but also sincere in a Peter Parkery before the Spider-Man kind of way. Um, but it feels old fashioned. The payoff just isn't there. And I didn't come away from it feeling like the movie had something very specific and um, urgent to say. I feel the same. I think it is a firm kick and probably going to be one of my least favorite of the next several years worth of movies that we watch big words in 1999 before we started the 21st <laughs> century but we'll we'll see it is we'll see. but yeah i really had a hard time with this movie it was like a hallmark movie for the first half or more so it kick has it. it has that feeling for sure for sure as the beast boys would say kick it kick it so before we get into the farley awards you want to run down the other awards that uh, cider I house rules do the cider house rules let's see here um cider house rules it was nominated for <laughs> sorry i had We're to get that back up. here yeah that was a stall <laughs> mo- moment it won for best supporting actor michael kane it won for Best Adapted Screenplay, John Irving, who was adapting his own novel, by the way. And it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Lasse Hallstrom, Best Art Direction, Set Direction, Best Film Editing, and Best Music Original Score. That's a lot. That is a lot. I mean, seven nominations for the Cider House Rules. Clearly too many. And a lot of wins. Clearly too many. 
Two wins, yeah. That's pretty good. Um, so what's your best directing moment, Mike? My best directing moment is Toby and Charlize at the beach. So this is the scene where... Um, this is the worst scene in the whole movie. Oh, no, it's great. The, the adultery is about to go down. <laughs> Things are getting juicy, Brian. But in this whole scene, we know that they're about to get together, right? It's very flirty. They're chasing each other around. But I do feel like this is where we see Holstrom doing some good stuff. Because in a lesser movie... It would have, they would have collapsed on the beach. They would have looked into each other's arms, kissed. I thought they did that basically. Oh, no. The tickling. No, no, no. They didn't at all. Because even though they're chasing (laughs) each other, the kiss doesn't happen right away. There's something very important that happens beforehand. So as they're chasing, as Toby is chasing her, she's giggling. They're having a great time. But when he catches her, he sort of hugs her in this very, very desperate way that Holstrom holds on for it has to it has to be like eight seconds that he holds on this hug long enough, long enough for us to start thinking about what the hug means. And it isn't just it. There's it's not just a sexual thing. It's not like he's just attracted to her. I think that he's attracted to not only connection with another person, but also um, action, you know, making a decisive action because we get the sense in this that this is the first time that he's really making an active choice in his life. Yeah, he, he's never had a relationship with anybody outside of the orphanage, it seems like. Um, he grew up there. He followed in Michael Caine's footsteps. He's he's I, doing abortions even though he doesn't believe in it. I just cannot buy any of the love, the love stuff in this movie. Tobey Maguire and Charlize Theron. It doesn't totally mesh. It doesn't work. But that moment after they consummate, they go back to the car and their faces, they feel guilty. You could see it on, in their eyes. And then Charlize says, this was right. And Toby, who looks like he just came back from a war, says, this was right. And I just, I love the contrast there about how, how desperately they, they, they need look, to believe. Yeah, they're trying to convince themselves. Um, yes. Leonardo DiCaprio turned down the role. Yeah. Might have worked better. It might have. Might have they should have had Leo and Kate Winslet play these two roles. In every movie, I yeah. think. Yeah. Very good point. I think we can almost stop the movie there. (laughs) Stop the uh, podcast there. My best directing moment was um, where you see, uh, so Toby McGuire is in the migrant housing. He's, you know, kind of estranged from the orphanage at this point. He's making his own life. And then you flash back to Michael Caine and he's there kind of pining for the, for the days when Toby will return. And um, in both of these scenes, uh, there's a similar kind of framing where these curtains are on the left scene, left third and right third, and you see Toby in the middle. And then you flash over to the St. Cloud uh, Orphanage, and you have Michael Caine sitting in between two curtains covering the left third and the right third. And I think I like it when a director will unify different characters and storylines by visuals. I think that's one thing that movies can do that yeah. you can't do in a novel or anything else. So I, I like that when they're paying attention to that. How about your best acting moment? Instead of an answer, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. business are you in, Brian? I am a newspaper man, journalist. Bad answer, because me, I'm in the Delroy Lindo business. <laughs> Delroy Lindo as Mr. Rose is the best part He's of this great. movie. I totally agree. He's the best part. And instead of gushing, uh, let's listen to a clip in it. Uh, Tobin McGuire as Homer Wells confronts him about sleeping with his daughter, excellent. Rose Rose. I mean, that's not excellent, but the clip, go ahead. I think you've been staying up too late at night, Homer. Sex with your own daughter. Ain't nobody having sex with my daughter. Let me just tell you that. You're lying. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? What do you care who hears? 
I mean, come on, they know already, don't they? They know, Mr. Rose. And do you know what your business is, boy? I know you don't want to be no kind of business with me. That's what I know. Yeah? Well, go on, cut my clothes. I've got other clothes. You're going to come here talking to me about lies and shame. When those people took you in and that boy Wally is away at war? Yeah, well, she's your daughter. And I love her. I ain't never going to do nothing to harm her. She's pregnant, you know that? She's pregnant. Uh, and then his reaction That's shot a great there. Scene. Uh, when he hears his daughter's pregnant, just you can read so much on his face. He's so good. That's all I'll have to say about Dirt Roller Lindo. He won. Uh, he did not win or get nominated. Michael Caine won for this role. Travesty. Which is, it's horrible. Uh, not even close to as good as Del Roy Lindo was in the movie. But he did win Las Vegas Film Critics Society acting award that year. The big one. The big one. Best writing moment. That one could have been the best writing moment. Yeah. I'm going to go with so. the line, good night, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England. Um, it so, so shows Michael Caine's goodness. He says this to the orphans, and Tobey Maguire says it to the orphans. He's trying to make them feel special. It's kind of like over the top, like formal, uh, but it's on purpose like that. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's, it's very moving whenever he says it. That's my favorite writing moment. It's what good. You're you? keeping it tight. Um, I'm also going to go Michael Caine, but I, I'm going to call this Michael Caine the liar. And I just think that John mm -hmm. Irving is is really good here at setting up immediately right at the beginning of the movie that we're not really supposed to know how to feel about this guy. In the opening montage, when we see him talking to uh, prospective parents, he brings up Homer and he says he gives him some backstory about his name. You know, he's very deep. So that's why his last name is Wells and Homer after the poet. And then we find out that was a complete lie. Those are great answers to the Homer Wells, by the way. <laughs> they are. <laughs> if but, they were true. But that, but in the narration, he reveals that he's lying. And then from that moment on, we have to sort of figure out like, how does he feel about lying? Does he think that he has the power to do that all the time? Later on, he forges um, Homer's medical degree. There's really no bound. So he's just a, a straight up con man. He's also a drug addict, but he's also the saintly father figure to everybody in in the orphanage. So complicated character. And I think it's all very, it's set up very well in that in the opening montage. Yeah, there's a lot of complicated characters. I mean, Toby McGuire's character in the clip we just heard from Delroy Lindo is accusing him of you know, sleeping with Charlize Theron, whose boyfriend is out at war. Like, how rotten yeah. is that? So there's a lot of things that they don't, you know, they don't always confront, but th those are kind of in the background. I think that is something the movie does well. Yeah, for a movie that you described as a Hallmark yeah, movie, which I don't disagree. First hour and 20 minutes. There's a lot of gray area <laughs> that complicates things. There is. And um, moral it, ambiguity, that, that that's good stuff. The last third does get better. My golden take. So Delroy Lindo's daughter, Rose Rose, we learned that she's pregnant. Toby Maguire is there away from the orphanage. He's opposed to abortions. He tells Michael Caine's character that he can't do abortions because he was an unwanted baby. And if his mom would have said, I want an abortion, he wouldn't have existed. He, he uses the word, he would have been incinerated. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty compelling argument from an orphan who doesn't want to be aborted. Makes a lot of sense. So now later on, we get to the point where Rose Rose, she's going to, she's a victim of incest. Um, she is going to perform her own abortion if no one else does it for her. So yep. she could very well die. We've already seen someone die earlier on in the movie for the same thing. Um, and Toby has just been airmailed all of his doctor gear. So he can, he can totally do it. He gets the tools at just the right time. Yeah. So yep. I think that what it's trying to show is that 
we go from Toby the orphan to Toby who's willing to perform an abortion. Pro-life Toby, pro-choice Toby. Yes, that's the that's the big the big shift that we get in the movie. But I think that the problem I see with this is that the Rose Rose abortion is unlike most other abortions in the movie. Charlize Theron came to St. Cloud for an abortion also. Totally different scenario. Yep. And so, you know, she's not at risk of anything. She lives in a wealthy family. She could, if she wanted to, have the baby. Um, and so it seems like that's the kind of abortion that Toby McGuire's character would be morally opposed to. But yet the one with Rose Rose, he's okay. He's, he's willing to, to help her. It doesn't really ever circle back to Charlize Theron's abortion. And I think that's where it kind of gets muddy. And I don't really know what it's trying to say about abortion. Um, and you don't really know, would Tobey Maguire just go ahead and do everything Michael Caine was doing? And if she came, go ahead and do everything that, that is, is there. So, um, that's my, that's my, my take. I think that they, they shouldn't really just treat all abortions equally. Uh, if it's a, it's a movie about abortion. Yeah. My golden take is pretty similar. I'm not convinced that the movie really knows exactly what it wants to say. And I do appreciate that there aren't easy answers here. There is moral ambiguity. Um, but where it sounds like you think the movie is about abortion primarily, mm-hmm. I think it's more about choice versus fate or molding your identity. But honestly, I kind of feel like it's all of the above. Um, I've got a quote from Roger Ebert here where he says, The, the immortal. Story, the immortal Roger Ebert. The story touches on many themes, he says. Lingers with some of them, moves on, and arrives at nowhere in particular. It's not a story so much as a reverie about possible stories. I like this movie. Um, I think it's really pretty to look at. There are no easy outs, which is a good thing. But in a year so jam-packed with like hyper-modern movies that make you really think, have something to say, either visually, stylistically, or thematically, I'm not sure that this movie has any of those um and i don't want to be too hard on it because i don't think that it's a bad watch but i think that if the point of the oscars is to immortalize the most important defining movies of the year i think you have to kick this it feels it feels dated when you watch it now and some other movies from 99 do not feel dated that's true and that's kind of i don't know if that's a should be a criterion or not but it kind of feels like it now um so anyway we're both in agreement Let's go to trivia, quickly trivia. We already said Leonardo DiCaprio could have been Tobey Maguire's role. Matthew Broderick also. Ah. Uh, Lassa Hallstrom could have been, he was known for directing music videos by the pop group ABBA. It's kind of <laughs> funny. Cool. And then a few things about Michael Caine, just because, you know, he's a legend. His given name was Maurice Joseph Micklewhite. <laughs> And Mickle White's is the name of a store that he walks by in Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, and that's nice. why they gave him they gave the store his name. Oh, that's great. But in in a uh, he his agent gave him advice to change his name to Kane, be taking it from a marquee that advertised the Kane Mutiny. Hmm. So he was named after a movie. Named himself after a movie. Okay. As of 2015, films in which Michael Kane has starred have grossed over 7.4 billion dollars. It helps to have The Dark Knight. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of skews the, the, the numbers the a little bit. ninth highest grossing box office star of all time, Michael Caine. Wow, Kane. Michael Caine. All from supporting roles, practically. Yeah. Um, he was one of several actors nominated for an Academy Award in every decade for five consecutive decades. That is impressive. The other two, Laurence Olivier and, can you guess one? I can't. Meryl Streep. 
nightmare. Oh yeah, makes that, sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, five we're, decades. We were ragging on Michael Caine a little bit because of the best supporting yeah. actor thing, but I mean, there's no diminishing his career. He has a photographic memory, and last but not least, he was considered for the lead role in Tootsie that went to Dustin Hoffman. Uh, Did you ever see Tootsie? Yeah, not a big fan. Yeah, me either. But it's pretty. It's it's a dust. It seems like a Dustin Hoffman role. Tootsie also on AFI's top 100. Interestingly enough. Interesting. 1982. Yep. Alrighty. So that is the Cider House rules. <laughs> Closing the door. In the next episode of best picture this we'll talk about the insider directed by michael mann starring russell crowe al pacino christopher Plummer. it's about a whistleblower and a journalist who becomes a whistleblower himself thanks to wnzf and to mark gilliland for producing we want to hear from you would you keep or kick this movie let us know on social media you can find us at facebook and twitter at best picture this and please remember to rate review and subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts Until next time, thanks for listening to Best Picture This. Until then, remember, there's nothing wrong with your heart.